0: Here comes Schofield! Oh! Yes, is. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. Alright. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like lanes.
1: That's what she said.
0: He's got everything going early on. Okay.
1: Schofield the theft.
0: Hey, Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, big, big, big week in Tennessee basketball time, weird week at Fort Rucker studio time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey. Coming to you, I really can't even say from Fort Rucker Studio, Grant, because we are uh, just in Fort Rucker right now. The studio portion is closed. We are sitting in the Fort Rucker uh, sunroom, I guess you would call it. Overcast room. Since it is, it's
1: overcast outside. It right? is
0: an overcast room right now, and the reason we're doing that is because, as I told y'all last week, we are having a uh, lot of renovation done to this house right now. And my wife is in Spain because she's smart and I'm not. And so what this house is right now, to describe it to you, it looks 75% like a construction site with nothing in it. And then one quarter like a house of hoarders. Because like stuff that we couldn't move out to the pod outside because we didn't want it to get cold or whatever Mm -hmm. is just shoved into like the three rooms of this house that are available right now. So, it really looks kind of like a scene from a horror movie right now in this house. Did you not get that vibe walking in a little bit? Uh,
1: Not at 11 a.m. No of any horror movies that start at 11 a.m.
0: Well, that's because you're not suspecting it then. It's true. That's when it's going to happen. Maybe I'm just welcoming it. (laughs) We're recording this here on a Friday morning. Bring it on. Going to drop it to you on a Friday afternoon. Give me your best shot. And Grant, here's what I'm trying to do today. Here's what I'm trying to do on this Friday. I am trying to record a podcast and then edit a podcast, go to a football press conference, go to basketball practice, and cover a Tennessee baseball game. I'm trying to hit the trifecta, three sports, one day. I don't know if it's going to be possible.
1: Godspeed, soldier.
0: But I'm going to try it. Because as I mentioned again, my wife is in Europe and um, what else am I going to do? But the biggest reason we're here on this podcast today, and I guess I should mention a couple house cleaning items first. Uh, First off, uh, there wasn't a ton of football news this week, so we're just going to drop a football podcast probably early next week since we're going to talk to Pruitt on Friday afternoon, get some new information on I'm guessing the coaching staff and and all those other sorts of things. So we're going to take care of that then. So that's why there's not going to be a football one until early next week. And secondly, this is our first, um, this is going to be our first podcast that is over on, y'all may not notice it on your end, but this is going to be on the, uh, on the new network. Uh, we're, we've, we're moving over from, we've kind of done our own sort of house run shop since we started this thing. And we're still going to edit everything on our end, still going to control everything on our end, but we're moving over to the CBS uh, podcast portal, basically, in the CBS family of podcasts, which makes sense since they, you know, own us. Not to be confused with the transfer portal. Yeah, we're going to be, basically we're going from from one service, which we've really, really liked and we appreciate those guys, over to uh, CBS's, uh, I believe it's called Megaphone?
1: We're putting Ryan in the transfer portal.
0: Yeah. And by the way, since we're in the sunroom, some of these background noises that you're going to hear that you would not normally hear upstairs, you are going to hear during this podcast. So right now, a train is passing nearby here, since we live right next to downtown, and also, you might hear uh crime dog barking. You might hear Maximus, the ferocious fighting feline of death, making noise, uh, Haven't. Uh, meant to give Crime Dog some Slim Jims so he would calm down and not, not say anything for this podcast. But, you know, slept a little late today. Didn't get that done. So, basically, we're in an uncontrolled environment. So, anything happens, noise-wise, like if it were raining right now, you would be hearing that. Since we're not in the studio. Because right now the studio is getting, uh, basically, that carpet ripped up. It's getting new hardwood floor put in. And... Yeah, so it's going to be nicer eventually, but right now it's just kind of a disaster in here. So those are the two things that we need to mention ahead of time the housekeeping items. But the biggest thing y'all want to hear about probably, I'm guessing, is Tennessee basketball, and we're going to get right to that. Tennessee has now won 19 consecutive games. I should say top-ranked Tennessee has won 19 consecutive games, and number 20 is going to be a difficult one. Uh, But because we're releasing this just one day before Tennessee goes to Rupp Arena and plays Kentucky, we're going to mention a little bit about that game. But then to give this podcast a little more life, we're going to mention sort of the SEC title race and where things kind of stand there. Because some influences from events that did not occur in Knoxville this week uh, have maybe changed that title race a little bit. Uh, Earlier this week, Tennessee did win its 19th consecutive game, but the night before that, LSU – 21st ranked, way too low ranked, 21st ranked LSU. 19th this week. 19? it right. to
1: 19, 19. 19. 21 last week.
0: I thought they were still 21 when they played the game. Maybe in one poll, not the other? Or are they 19 in both?
1: I don't know. 19 in the AP poll this week. Okay. Well,
0: let's adjust that. 19th ranked LSU goes to Kentucky. Pulls off a stunner uh, rather controversially, but uh, I think it's hard to say it wasn't deserved. A win at Kentucky there at the in the final seconds. So right now there are two teams in the SEC that control their own destiny. None of them are Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee and LSU both control their own destinies. So if Tennessee wins out, Tennessee's going to win the league. If LSU wins out, LSU's going to win the league. Both of those things can't happen because LSU uh, hosts Tennessee here not this weekend but next weekend down in uh, Red Stick Baton Rouge. So Grant, what did you think about that game, and how much do you think, if any, that really changes the dynamics of this title race?
1: I think LSU's a good basketball team. Uh, I think LSU feels a lot like Tennessee felt last year, uh, where they have some really good pieces, uh, have a good coach, uh, are underestimated, uh, kind of have that chip on their shoulder, kind of us-against-the-world mentality, uh, and they're showing people just how good they can be. I mean, Tennessee did kind of the same thing that that, uh, LSU did last season, at Rupp, they went in and, uh, surprised a good Kentucky basketball team and, and won late dramatically. Uh, LSU with the tip in Tennessee with that Lamonte three, and then the Admiral dunk in the last 30 seconds uh, up there last year. But I don't know. It's a three team race. It's going to stay a three team race for the next three weeks. Uh, just because that's how the league has shaken out. Uh, it's very average below them. It seems like, I mean, there's some Tough teams to beat below them. Yeah, because teams like Auburn and State kind of have fallen off all the Right, those teams have talent. They just have really bad SEC records right now, so they could they could jump up and surprise somebody. But they're also struggling really bad, and they're probably not going to be, obviously, in the race over the next three weeks. Um, they've set it up to where Tennessee has one of the tougher runs left. LSU probably has the best run left. They're done with Kentucky. They get to Tennessee at home in an 11 a.m. Uh, local time game next week. Uh, so it's, g- it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about this Tennessee team over the next three weeks uh, because they haven't been tested in a while. You have to go all the way back to Gonzaga on December 9th when they had this really big game atmosphere that they're going to have at Kentucky Saturday night. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond and kind of they've, they've excelled in those situations obviously this season. Uh, we'll see if they can do it again.
0: Yeah, because the guys at CBS were asking me for a video piece you can find on the website right now. If you go back there and look, if you go to our homepage, GoBoss247.com, you click down the left there, you can find a bunch of uh, some some recent video things going on there. And one of the biggest things that you can find there is them asking me, what about the SEC championship race now? And I said, I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with this, but I think if you had to lay down odds right now, you know, if you were to go play it, go go according to chalk, right? Go according to that ESPN BPI or, or whatever of who's going to win, how many games going forward. I think you could make an argument that LSU is a slight statistical favorite to win the SEC now because LSU has already played Kentucky, Tennessee plays Kentucky twice, and LSU gets to host Tennessee. And LSU has the easiest run of games of the three left. And LSU is obviously only one game behind Tennessee in the standings. So when you put all of that together, all of a sudden, I mean, I think you would probably say that Tennessee is a slight favorite to beat LSU in in LSU, probably, probably. But, and I think you could say, hey, Tennessee has a chance to go win out, which I don't think will happen, but people still believe that. And if Tennessee splits with Kentucky – Beats LSU and wins every other game. Tennessee wins the SEC. Now, all three of these teams are going to get double buys in the tournament. We can pretty much guarantee that pretty much. We can pretty much yep. guarantee it's that It's going to be top much. four. But if you're the one seed, you don't have to play either one of the other two until the championship game. Mm-hmm. So that is also a, a big deal because uh, that way you get like something like a South Carolina or State or Auburn or somebody like that uh, in, in, the se- in, in the semifinal. In the semifinal. Of course, I also looked at it right now. If you're Tennessee and if you win the league, did you see who the 8-9 would be right now? Right now, the SEC 8-9 game? auburn Ole Miss, Auburn-Florida. It's so, no fun. So that, that that's like, as a one seed, you're like, really? Really? Those are the two teams, huh? There's not a lot
1: of good records in the league, but there's a lot of annoying matchups in the league. Yes, there are. And uh, teams like Florida that play good defense, really good
0: defense, and teams like Auburn that just, if they get hot from three, look out. I mean, they still you know, spread it and shoot it. They chuck and duck like nobody's business. So that's a scary matchup for anybody. And Tennessee, as we did not mention until right now, also has to end the season at Auburn. And that's a tough place to go play. That's a team that hits a lot of threes and on, a, on a good day. It's still a really good basketball team and has a really good basketball coach who's going to be really motivated every time he plays Tennessee. So, yeah, you've got a lot of interesting matchups, I, I think, going forward. Um, but I think it's possible to sit there and say – possible and I know a lot of people don't agree with this and that's fine but I'm not saying I think LSU will win the league I'm saying statistically speaking you can make a pretty decent argument that LSU has mathematically maybe the best chance to do this
1: allow me to disagree they lost to a pretty average Oklahoma State team in November by 13 Uh, they had to go to overtime at Arkansas to beat a very average at best Arkansas team Mm -hmm. maybe getting better decent uh, handled Ole Miss does really, have Does have a lottery pick they, they yeah on that team. That doesn't make it a good basketball team, though. They handled Ole Miss at Ole Miss. That's a good win by 14. Uh, they had to go to overtime at Missouri after they were down 14 with two and a half minutes left. That and one, not such a good win. Somehow, Conzo lost that game. That one, not such a good win. They lost Arkansas at home on a Saturday, a sold-out crowd, 90-89. to 89. Uh, They've gone to overtime three times this season and won all three of them, so credit to them. For that, I just I don't know. They're they're a good basketball team, but I don't think you give them an advantage when Tennessee's eleven and zero and twenty three and one and has done what it's done. Even if you still have two games with Kentucky left, like Tennessee does, uh, LSU still has Florida twice. That's tough. They still have to go to Alabama. Obviously, Tennessee Tennessee fans know how tough that can be uh, if if the situation is right. So I don't know. I like how you're positioning positioning yourself to be the fan favorite. That's right. right. Everybody loves me. Everybody hates West. (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm not. I I think LSU's a good team, and I trust them to win a lot of games because they've shown they can do it. They also have shown they live on the edge a little bit. Yeah, here's
0: where I am on this. If you put
1: a gun to my head and said who's going to win the league, I still think it's Tennessee. I mean, all Tennessee has to do. Is go to Rupp and win again, and you're completely changing your mindset. Because then Tennessee's not only in the driver's seat, but it looks like they're going to run away with it. Because they would be 12-0 with a win at Kentucky already out of the way. But they still have to go to LSU and play a one-loss LSU team. Right, but that's still, you if you beat... Kentucky, so, if, if you've handled business the way Tennessee's handled business, then you're a better team than LSU. You're the number one team in the country.
0: And, and I would say and that – And you have
1: been for a month. I would say that getting LSU at 11 a.m. is infinitely better than getting LSU at like – I can't figure out who's at the
0: advantage there. At like 8 p.m. because – Oh, I think it's Tennessee advantage at that point because if you've ever been down to Baton Rouge, ever been down to <laughs> the uh, state of Louisiana in general, mm-hmm. on a weekend morning before about noon – Uh, You got some unhappy hungover Cajuns. And so I I don't know with that culture down there. I think you're probably – you're getting a big, big win. Right. And I think Tennessee's also played pretty well in those noon games the past couple years. It seemed like last year they were really good in those games. Rick likes getting up early. The team likes just getting up and playing. So they've been fine in those situations. Interested to
1: see kind of how they go back on the road and if they're still that team that really almost plays as well on the road At least they play as well offensively, if not better offensively on the road. They don't do as well quite as well defensively, but kind of what that mindset is on the road. It's been a while since they had a really big really big road game.
0: Well, here's what's gonna determine a lot of the a lot of the championship talk going forward is that if Tennessee goes to Rupp Arena on Saturday and Tennessee wins its twentieth consecutive game, its second consecutive game in Rupp and its seniors take a 5-3 to three advantage over Kentucky in their careers, which is just a really good achievement at any point for a Tennessee basketball player. If Tennessee goes out and does that, then all of a sudden, okay, um, you're talking about, I don't know if you're talking about Tennessee running away with it, but you're talking about Tennessee has almost taken Kentucky out of it at that point, essentially. And Tennessee, when you go to Rupp, you're always walking into a bit of a big blue hornet's nest. It's just kind of how it is. You're kind of walking into a Thunderdome. It's just like walking into Thompson Bowling. It's just it's a loud, loud, tough place to play. You're going to have a lot of people against you. Uh, sometimes those people will affect the referee's decisions. That's just how it goes. Uh, it's how it's gone in that building for years. It's how some people would argue it's going for Tennessee right now in some cases. Uh, you know, Alabama people have that conspiracy theory now because they think the way some of those calls went late in that game were uh, against them, even though I think it was a walk. I You know, I, I think that – that's a tough call to make in that situation. So this is what happens. And, and why, why do I say this? Because Kentucky lost controversially at the end of a game in Rupp Arena on Tuesday night. So not only would Saturday, if Tennessee wins, be Kentucky's second consecutive second consecutive loss in Rupp, which just does not happen very often, even when T- Kentucky's just good and not great. Uh, that, that hardly ever happens. And it would be a second loss coming after a really controversial first loss. So a lot of things, 8 o'clock tips, you know everybody, college game day is going to be there during the day. You know everybody's going to go to college game day in the morning. Then they're going to go across the street to all the bars. They're going to spend their Saturday getting lubed up. And then they're going to be in there back in Rupp Arena on Saturday night giving Tennessee the business. And you're playing a Kentucky team that, if it loses, knows that it is probably out of the championship race in the SEC. Probably. Not definitely, but probably. When you put all that together, you get a really, really, really tough environment to go play basketball. And we know the law of averages says Tennessee is going to lose at some point. I, I still don't think Tennessee goes 18-0 in the SEC. M- maybe it does, but I, I, just, it, I have a hard time believing that. I think there's too many tough games coming up in the next seven. But uh, this is a tough matchup because here's where I am with with this, Grant. Ashton Hagens has not played his best defensively the past couple games for Kentucky. But at his best, he's one of the two or three better point guard defenders that you're going to face in the college game, I think. I think he's that good. He's got the wingspan. He's got the quickness. He... Uh, is a hassle. He's a nuisance to deal with. He has
1: basically as many steals as he has turnovers. Yeah. So every time he gives it up, he's getting it back. Really, really good player.
0: Really good freshman. Um, And then we know that Kentucky has the one guy in this league who can give Grant Williams trouble consistently. And P.J. Washington is that guy. P.J. Washington gave Grant trouble twice last year. So if it happens twice, that's not really a coincidence. So for some reason – the way he is physically, he's kind of got that Grant body in a way, which a lot of guys don't. He's maybe a little bit slimmer, but he's kind of got that same sort of, same sort of frame, same sort of length, same sort of uh, kind of surprising quickness. Uh, he's a guy who will will give you a hard time. So right there, just right there, you've got two guys, two guys who can potentially dull some of Tennessee's two sharpest edges, right there, off the get-go. Then you get down to, okay, what's positive about this? I don't think Kentucky has anybody who matches up great with Schofield. I, I, you know, do, do you really want, you know, Keldon Johnson or, mm-hmm. ty- or Tyler Hero trying to body up Admiral Schofield? Either one of those guys, he's going to put the ball on the deck, he's going to go to the rim, and he's going to go get whatever points he wants. Unless somebody – on Kentucky's back end is is wiping away those plays. So right there and and then I think Bowden maybe is a better offensive player than either of those guys are defensively either. So Tennessee does have some serious advantages there, I think. So I I think if you played these two these two play on a neutral court, I think Tennessee's a better team,
1: which they still could in Nashville. Yeah, still could. Which would drive up an insane ticket uh, market
0: yeah that'd be like the ticket prices for this came this came on Saturday wow this would be I think I think some of them were two three thousand
1: dollars for up there near the front row the- I mean Tennessee Kentucky has advantages in the you know highly rated players that they have every year and kind of the star power thing and speaking of controversial endings that lSU uh Kentucky stuff the SEC according to the athletic a few minutes ago is already in dialogue about changing the way they uh, do replay for closing calls like that. So it's not going to help the Kentucky gets all the all the whistles uh, in the SEC. Because Kyle Perry was calling for that. After, right, right. After and even game. Rick Barnes said that after. South Carolina, that, that you, you can't get that call right unless you're sitting there over top of the rim looking down on it. And he said they have to fix something, and he's a guy that's on the rules committee. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, those, those matchups you highlighted are the matchups that just stick out. I mean, Ashton Hagen's is as good defensively uh, at guard in this league as anybody, if not the best. Uh, they're, they're the best defense in the league, statistically giving up like 61.5 a, a game, and since he's the best offense in the league, scoring like 85.5 a, a game. Uh, so those are the two. Uh, and then P.J. Washington, obviously, because he dominated Grant in the first half in Knoxville last year, and then he had cramps or whatever in the second half and didn't do anything. And that's when Tennessee outscored him by 19 uh, and came back and won that game. Uh, I can't remember what he did in Lexington off the top of my head. Uh, I think Admiral and Lamonte had better offensive games, I, th- I think. But either way, that game was never separated by more than four points, which is nuts. That was yes. a really intense game, uh, really back-and-forth game. Uh, and Tennessee just kind of, you know, had the last punch. And, and then March, uh, the SEC tournament game, I don't know I don't, PJ, what PJ does or did in that game doesn't stick out. Um, but Shy Gilgis alexander had, like, 29. and. Uh, Winning Gabriel couldn't miss a three in the first half. Uh, Tennessee got down like 17, came back and took a lead, and came back and took a lead again, second half, and whatever, they lost. I can't even remember how it kind of ended there. I think it was a five-point game, something like that. So two really balanced teams. What I think about with an advantage for Tennessee is just kind of the one through five scoring. Uh, You're going to get somebody to get a good shot, and you're going to get the right shot if you look for it because of how experienced this offense is. Uh, how balanced this offense is. I'm not sure Kentucky has that kind of balance, has that trust factor in every single guy on the floor. The, I don't know what their averages are. I know Tennessee averages like five guys in double figures, which is pretty uh, pretty special. And, and I think Tennessee's weaknesses, they're going to defend inside the perimeter, and then they're going to give up those threes. Uh, you saw it against South Carolina. They're not what percentage they shot inside the arc versus outside the arc. It was probably... Thirty sixty. I don't think Kentucky's a team that wants to beat you on the three point line. No, they're not a team that's going to camp out, and they're not a team that's going to rely on a lot of jump shots. They're going to use their athletic ability and all those guys. They do recruited have two or three guys years. to shoot around the forty percent mark, though. right? But the, I don't think that's their what they want to be known for. I don't I don't think Cal teams have ever really been known for that, have they? That are just going to beat you at the three-point line. Not really, no. I mean, they kind of drive and get to the free throw line. And... and the more this happens for Tennessee, they've given up 10 or more threes six times in 11 SEC games. South Carolina hit 14. Uh, Rick Barnes never acts like it's a big deal. It feels like they're kind of calculating it where we're going to defend inside the two-point shots and we'll give you what you get at the three-point line. You're going to have to make shots there, uh, and we'll still beat you. And if you look at the way it happened, I mean, South Carolina hit 14, and Tennessee never really had a ton of nervous moments in that
0: game. Yeah, I just looked it up, and Grant had, I think, 15-9 and nine in the SEC tournament championship game last year. Uh, but I'll put I'll, I'll put a caveat on that. P.J. Washington played just 21 minutes because of foul trouble. So when, when P.J. is on the floor, he defends Grant really well. When he's not, they don't really have anybody who can – defend Grant, because you look at the rest of the guys and you go, yeah, I don't really see anybody else there who's who's going to, especially now that, that that Grant has the full arsenal of moves that mm-hmm. he has, and he can score with his left over Chris Silva sometimes, and what was really good to see in that South Carolina game was that Grant Williams, until the very last minute of the game, did not force any shots. He He flirted with a triple-double, just because, you know, Frank Martin basically said there's no good way to, to defend Tennessee, but they went the way of... Let's just not let Grant Williams do anything, and we'll make other dudes beat us. Even though, what's interesting to me is he said that, despite saying that they had no one who could stop Schofield and no one who could stop Jordan Bone. So at that point, why would your strategy be to take out Grant Williams? That, that's where I'm a little bit – the only thing I can think of is that he thought, you know what, Tennessee's not going to expect us to do this because they're going to know the advantages they have at the one and the three. So we're going to take away the four to see if we can throw a wrench into their game plan. So maybe maybe I'm trying to play three-dimensional chess there, but maybe that's maybe that's the thinking there. So because I would think they have some guy in silver or somebody else who could do a pretty good job defending Grant. problem is if you do that with Silva, maybe he gets in foul trouble. So there's lots of things to think about there. But basically what, what I think this game comes down to on Saturday – it is here's where I am on this. I know that a lot of the matchup's going to be about Tennessee's offense and Kentucky's defense. I know that. But the question I have, and I wrote a column about this after the South Carolina game. It, it, there's only two ways we can think about this. Either Tennessee's defense is a problem, and it's going to be a problem at a bad point in the season because in 11 SEC games, I think 10 to 10, uh, uh, six times in those 11 games, Opponents have had 10 or more threes. Normally, you you give up 10 threes in a college game. This isn't the NBA game. If you're giving up 10 threes in a college game, a lot of times you're losing. Or at least you better score 80 or 90 to win. So, can Tennessee, is that going to be a problem? That's option one. Or option two is, they're so good offensively, and they get stops when they need them, so it's okay. Which one of those two things is it? Because it can't be... Anything else, it's got to be one of those two things, right? I mean, either Tennessee's defense is kind of backing off fundamentally because they're so good offensively, but that's going to be a problem at some point, or option two, that it doesn't matter because they're so good offensively and because they have an offense that doesn't require three-pointers, they can beat you so many other ways that if they're not hitting threes, they'll just go pack it inside, take only five or six threes in a game, and still score 80, 90 points. So which one of those two is it? Because we've all seen this time and time again. Ask Virginia. Ask Virginia. UMBC last year just gets ridiculously hot offensively. Virginia can't hit a couple shots. And all of a sudden, a 116 game turns into a a loss for the one seed. So is Tennessee's defense, which, again, this is the same team as last season, more or less, right? It's the same group of guys who have gotten a year better, but basically the same team. So you look at that, and they've gone from number four, I think, nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency to number 40. Now, if you look at the other teams, teams that, can, that usually win championships are in the top 20 or at least top 30 in both of those categories. Kentucky, interestingly enough, is in the top 20 in both of those categories. Duke is in the top 20 in both of those categories. Gonzaga. Gonzaga in the top 20 in both of those categories. Tennessee is second offensively, so bully to you, Vols. But they're 40th on defense. And can you win a championship doing that?
1: Uh, it's a tough question to answer. Uh, I need to see it happen, How it, or I, I need to see how it plays out over these next six, seven games. Uh, because it's been a while since you've been in, the kind of game you're going to be in tomorrow. Uh, even though there have been close games, obviously Vanderbilt probably should have beat them. Uh, I don't know how Tennessee escaped that one. Alabama had a chance to beat Tennessee in Knoxville. That's concerning. Uh, but it's, it's since Gonzaga and since kind of uh, not really Memphis, but kind of Memphis that you've been in that situation. Uh, the last three games – They've struggled early, and then they've gone on a huge run in the first half, 18-3, 17-2, 21-3. I think those are the numbers the last three games. Once you take control right there, they don't give it up. I mean, you can give up some threes as long as you're scoring the way you can score, uh, the way this offense has shown it can score. If you're shooting over 50% every night, uh, if you're usually doubling assists to turnovers, you're usually competitive rebounding, they, they need to get better on the offensive glass or not allowing as many offensive rebounding. Opportunities for the other team. I think they started to address that against South Carolina, but uh, I need to see how it works against a Kentucky uh, at LSU. If it's consistently where they're having success and they're not having a ton of oh crap moments, they'll be fine, and we'll see how it goes from there. But uh, if, if you can score the ball, I don't, I don't think you're going to be Virginia. I mean, Tennessee could get matched up with Wofford. First round this NCAA tournament or the second round? That's a really good basketball team that bombs away from the three point line. Yep, and that would make you nervous. But I mean, can they handle Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and the rate they score it and the way Tennessee Probably can not. get to the rim and the way Tennessee can hit threes too? I mean, when you give up 14 threes, that's one thing. But when you hit nine of them, you're kind of negating what you're giving up there a little bit. Yeah,
0: I, I I just think it comes down to as you said, I'll I'll take what you said and spin it a little bit differently. Can they go out there and do that? against a team that they cannot score it well against or can they again I mean they played Gonzaga which is a what top 20 defense and went
1: out there and put 85 on them or yeah, whatever it was
0: I, I mean so they did a lot of good things there so maybe they're gonna go out there and score against everybody uh, or, or most teams so but if, you, the- if you've
1: done it for 24 games like they've done it even if it's not the strongest strength of schedule at the moment that's it's pretty good proof that you, you can score the basketball. Well,
0: and, and just to give it a little bit of of, pers- of of perspective here, I almost said perception because that's a, that's a thing. No, here's why the, the perspective is important on this. I'm a big believer in Ken Palm's rankings, big believer. I think Ken Palm has a pretty good track record of telling you exactly, not exactly, but almost exactly where teams are in the pecking order because he has a really good formula – that puts together a lot of things statistically to tell you more or less where a lot of these teams are. And of the eight top teams in the country in Ken Palm's rankings, there is only one that is not top 30 in offensive and defensive efficiency, and that's Tennessee. Tennessee is the outlier. Tennessee is at two offensively, and it is at 40 defensively. Uh, Duke is at three offensively, four defensively. Virginia, five offensively, three defensively. Gonzaga, one offensively, 17 defensively. Michigan State, sixth offensively, ninth defensively, despite having five losses. Uh, And Kentucky, right there at 18th offensively, eighth defensively. North Carolina, ninth offensively, 20th defensively. Even Virginia Tech at 11 is at 10 offensively and 28 defensively. You go down and look at these teams, Maryland, heck yeah, Wisconsin is at 12th. Wisconsin, 12th overall, right there in top 35 both. Uh, Iowa State is 14 offensively, 31 defensively. Uh, Maryland, 21 16. Kansas, Kansas, as much as they're struggling right now, still 24 and 12. I mean, the the outlier up there is Tennessee. They're the team that is has one side of the ball that's just good and not really good, and, and so that that becomes it. it just I, I've I've been covering I've been covering this game long enough to know that there's sometimes you just see weird outliers, like some of those Bruce Pearl teams at Tennessee that won. They were not according to the metrics, you know. Sometimes defensively they just weren't that good, but they were so good offensively that that they found a way and they they got enough rebounds, offensive rebounds off of three point misses, and they were able to to play a different. You know, they they gave get a lot of steals, got out in transition and scored. There are outliers out there. But I just it, it, it's I'm so hardwired to think that champions are good on both sides, champions are good on both sides. Cause that happens most every year. I mean, there was one North Carolina team that I wrote a call about earlier this season, uh, the the Felton, McCants, May team, when they won it all, they weren't very good defensively. They were just so good offensively that it didn't matter. So it can happen. But most years, you kind of got to be good at both things. And I'm not saying Tennessee's not good defensively, but Tennessee is very erratic defensively. And But they continue to go on those big runs at least once a game that kind of bury the other team a little bit. Uh, And they do have a track record. I know I was disagreeing with our our good friend of the pod, Mike Wilson, the other day because Mike said I I made the argument that Tennessee gets stops when it needs to get stops. And Mike said that was BS because teams that are good defensively could be good defensively all the time if they wanted to be. So Tennessee is obviously not good defensively. That's sort of a a tough argument because both sides make good points. But, Grant, where are you on that? Because you and Mike are the only two guys who have seen this team play more than I have. That's part
1: of where I want to see it in a game like this, if Tennessee can get – because you're going to have to have stops. Uh, you're going to have a lot of them. It's a matter of at what point in the game you need those stops and can you get them. Uh, it's a lot different in the first half if you need a couple stops to stop like an 8-0 run or whatever and, and keep it from getting out of hand. Uh, it's a different thing if you need a couple stops late to preserve a two-, three-point lead that you're trying to hang on to a win, something like that. I think they can get stops when they need them because they've shown when when the game's – uh, going back and forth early these past three home games, they've put together those runs to take control, and from there they've held on to control. Uh, yep. Teams have bombed away on them, but they've stayed kind of at arm's length against these teams. Uh, I need to see it happen. At the same time with the with the rankings and all that stuff, I, I use Ken Palm as much as the next guy and look at the stats and stuff like that. At the same time, where was Loyola Chicago entering March in those rankings? Uh, offensively and defensively, probably very average. Uh, I mean, the the I can I can look that the up. Elite Eight game. You know, obviously with the right to the uh, a Final Four berth on the line was Kansas State and Loyola Chicago. Loyola was actually 31 in Ken Palm's rankings. Two last year. teams that <laughs> so he knew something there. I mean, we're just kind of uh, it's March is so much about averages. I mean, so much about matchups. Loyola did have a top 20 defense, I think, more so.
0: um Loyola last year was uh, 31 overall in Ken Palm, 63 offensively, 17 defensively. I mean, you went to I the mean, that's, four.
1: That's, I mean, that could be a. I mean, that's the similar outlier that Tennessee is, where they're pretty good at one thing and kind of average at the other thing.
0: But I, I would say, obviously, that Tennessee last year, which was which was 36 offensively, yeah, and, and I think four or six defensively. Tennessee lost the piece that makes them different defensively, which is Kyle Alexander protecting the right. Right, right. And, and without and him out there, they were not the same defensively.
1: And and Kyle hasn't been the same person the last, the last handful of games, really. He played decent against South Carolina, but the way you look at what he did at Missouri earlier in the year, and I can't remember who was the other one at, Florida maybe. He had a really good game, uh, a couple double-doubles back-to-back at whatever point in the season yeah. that was. Uh, they need to get him back to being the guy that he can be because he anchors this defense. And, and maybe if he gets back to playing well and avoiding foul trouble, that's been kind of his 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 shortcoming the last couple weeks at least, yeah, kind of the ticky-tack fouls. Or he's, he's, He broke it down the other night after the game. He said, like, if I'm trying to be too aggressive, uh, I'm getting called early fouls and getting in foul trouble and taking myself out of the game that way. If I'm not aggressive enough, I don't get foul calls, uh, but I'm not good enough defensively. So he's trying to find that kind of in-between. Yeah, and could, there are a lot of people out there who would say Jordan Bone is you – know, or a lot of people would say, first off, Grant
0: Williams is the player of Tennessee could least afford to lose. And I don't agree with that because I think you can move Schofield to the four if you need to, and you can be okay. Um, a lot of people would also say that Jordan Bone is the most irreplaceable of all because of the things that he can do offensively, the pace he can play at. I would say no because you could put Lamonte Turner out there and you've still got an above-average point guard you still got a really good point guard if he's playing the point guard for spot for 34 minutes a game. You're okay there. And then Bowden playing it for 6 to 10 minutes a game. You're okay there. Uh, but without Kyle Alexander out there, you've, you've either got Grant Williams playing the 5, which you don't really want, or you've got Derek Walker or Fulkerson playing the 5, which they're okay players, but they're not the same level as the others. So I think... There's a reason why Rick Barnes says all the time that Kyle Alexander is the is the key to this team because when he's at his best, Tennessee plays its best basketball. And I don't think he's wrong when he says that. That's how important. People forget about this. They say, oh, if Alexander goes down, that sucks, but, oh, he just moves some pieces around. We saw that last year. Guys, we saw that last year. You lose
1: your rim protector. You lose one of your better rebounders on yes. both ends of the floor. Uh, just a guy who changes al- the game. alters the way you attack the basket.
0: And he alters the way teams play defensively because even if he's not getting blocks, do you know how many times he's changing shots? How how many times he is uh, causing a team to kind of rush a shot clock because they're trying to go to a set play and he walls off the rim and the guys don't want to go at him, so they kick it out somewhere else and they're taking up a bad three? He's the guy who causes every bit of that. He's the guy. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I think he's playing the way that he's playing and I think he's that important to this team. So. You know, it's interesting because we could talk about this Tennessee-Kentucky game for two hours probably and, right. not, and not have enough time. But since we do have to get out of here because we've got a busy day today, uh, Grant, how do you see this game? If you don't want to give a final prediction, that's fine. But how do you see this game shaking out Saturday? Honestly,
1: I have no idea. Uh, I keep expecting them to lose at some point just because I can't see this win streak keep going and going and going. I, I thought they would lose at South Carolina just because I thought they were going to lose at some point before it got to 19 games. I think a lot Rupp of us thought Ruppe South Carolina
0: could be. I didn't think they would lose it, but a lot of people did. And then when they
1: won that game, and especially the way they won it, I just thought, okay, I give up. I don't know when this win streak's going to end. They just kind of keep rolling along and doing their thing. Uh, I could see them going to Rupp and taking care of business easily tomorrow because of how they play basketball and how they've shown when they play at their best how good they are. Or I could see them going and laying an egg. Uh, and Kentucky handling them because Kentucky's coming off a loss. They don't lose back-to-back at home uh, very often, if ever. Uh, and Tennessee's do a bad game at some point. Uh, if Tennessee wins, I officially give up. I have no idea when this win streak's going to end. Maybe they go 18-0, and and uh, who knows. Uh, but I think the first 10 minutes are going to be the key. Uh, Tennessee can't come out and get down 17 like they did in the SEC tournament against Kentucky last year. Uh, you got to go back and forth. You got to you got to kind of stay in it early. If you get it to halftime, kind of like LSU did. LSU got down eight, nine, something like that. They stuck around. It was a it was a game at halftime. They put some run together in the second half. But uh, my expert analysis, is I really have no idea. I really have no idea.
0: Yeah, I might go out there and change this before the game starts tomorrow night. Um, but right now, I'm thinking something along the lines of Tennessee 73, Kentucky 70, something like that. That that's if I had if you put a gun to my head and said Wes, you have to pick a score.
1: That's probably the score. I don't even I would know what pick. the line is if there's a line on it yet, but should be. That'd I think be. it was sixty-one fifty-nine that last year, so I would assume there's going to be some more offense there. You just got to limit PJ Washington. You can't let Reed Travis go off like he went off uh, a couple weeks ago against somebody. Don't let Keldon Johnson. I can't get remember. Going. You can't let Kelton Johnson. You just got to kind of limit. Hero's going to hit some threes, I think. Yeah, and Keldon's probably going to hit some threes too. I think he's a forty percent shooter yeah, from the three point line, but you got to limit PJ Washington. I think it starts with him because. Uh, if you limit him, that probably means Grant Williams is going to be able to do some stuff, uh, and kind of, kind of that would be a wash matchup. Uh, you got to limit PJ Washington, limit Keldon Johnson, limit, uh, limit the runs, stuff like that. If you can just kind of hang around, the longer Tennessee hangs around, the better chance they have to win this game. Uh, and they might go in there, if not a pick 'em as a slight underdog. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't see the odds on Vegas Insider right now. I bet they're posted somewhere, but that's usually where I go and they're not up there yet.
1: Probably so. Kentucky, like a three-and-a-half-point favorite, something like that. That's my amateur, never-gambled-on-anything-in-my-life opinion.
0: Nah, I could see Kentucky being the slight favorite.
1: I could see that. I'm not a fence rider, but here, let me saddle up on this fence. I have no idea who's going to win this basketball game. Well, neither do I. I'm just, I don't even have a gut feeling like which way it's going to go. What exactly would you say do you know? Nothing. I understand nothing.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Guys, thanks for tuning in this week again. If the sound was not the same quality, we apologize. That's sort of a temporary thing. We'll have that repaired uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Knock on wood. Hopefully, it might be 3 weeks, but hopefully just a couple of weeks. So, bear with us on that. Uh, as always, you can find all of us on social media. You can find Grant Ramey at twitter.com slash Grant You can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. You can find Patrick Brown on Twitter at P Brown 24-7. And you can find me on Twitter at WestRucker247. 24-7. You can also find all of us online on the Twitter machine at twitter.com slash 24 247 Also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 24 247 and if you want to drink the water straight from the hose, you can go to govoss 247com Great time. There's a bunch of recruiting stuff going on for, you know, I don't know if you want to call it junior day type stuff, but them trying to angle themselves into getting into good position for a class next season. Obviously, the big basketball run-in is happening right now. There's some basketball recruiting news trickling in here and there, which is some good premium VIP information available only to our subscribers at govals 247 uh, And you can go also get a lot of free stories. I say this all the time. We're not just a site where you pay. We're a site where if you want free information, you can get free information. And if you want to go pay for information, you can also go pay and get information. So we've got a little something for everybody there. We've also got the checkerboard, the I think probably selfishly the best forum on the internets for Tennessee fans. It's a place for mostly civil discussion, mostly civil and uh, it's not like the Wild West of internet boards. It's a it's a place where you can actually go have adult-like conversations with people. Or uh, if you want to, there's also threads where you can be a total toddler. So govoss247.com. You can go there any time of the day. And most of the time, I would say for... Probably 19 or 20 of the 24 hours in a day. One of us will be there to answer a question that you have at any time. So we've got the early risers here like Grant. We've got the later risers here like me. And then we've got the the Pat who kind of somewhere is in between those two things. And then Ryan who takes frequent cat naps throughout the day, but is usually around at some point, you know, pretty much all the time. He's just the king of like the 15-minute nap. So uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week, early next week, probably earlier than normal. Grant, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Nothing.